Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. How are you doing? Good. I cannot believe I have my own bobblehead uh, right now. I want to welcome those of you watching in uh, Duval, Issaquah, and Bothland online. Uh, are you in a pretty good mood today? My, uh, yeah, I would imagine a lot of you are. Uh, you have to almost be in a good mood because the weather has been so great this weekend. And in fact, it was so great when I got up this morning. I thought, you know, instead of going to the gym, I'm sort of a gym rat, I'm going to go uh, for a run. And uh, which is not a big deal. I I went on a fitness tracker and it mapped out a run for me. It's about four and a half miles, which I thought since I never run, that would be a good place to start. Uh, Yeah, in fact, not only do I not run, in the last eight months since I hurt my knee, I have not done cardio really of almost any kind for eight months. And I thought, you know, I'll just start with a four and a half mile run, go up some hills. It won't be a real big deal. And I got to tell you, it was phenomenal. It was sort of like, if you remember like Forrest Gump or Chariots of Fire, That was like me, and I was just running, and I could just feel the wind on my back. And literally, it was almost a supernatural thing. I was going so fast, and then I get to the end of my driveway, and then I keep on going uh, a little bit further. And uh, really, it's not too bad uh, for for a couple miles there. And uh, then I, you know, reality kicks in. Uh, Adrenaline, uh, you know, stops working. And I, uh, I went four and a half miles. I will not tell you how much of that I ran, how much I walked, and how much I crawled, but I did did do that. And of course, you know, as it would happen, as always happens to me, sort of out in a community where a lot of people uh, go to Timberlake Church, right at that point, I stopped running, and I'm like, (gasps) you know, I have that sort of, you know, that sort of like, hey, he may not make it kind of feeling, uh, and look. Uh, there's a couple ladies who are running by. Uh, I'm trying not to make eye contact, but one of them says, hi, Ben. And I'm like, okay, great. Uh, And uh, I know for sure that she is not here this weekend. After seeing me, she's probably checking out other churches. Uh, You know, have you ever had one of those experiences, and we all have, where uh, the, the expectation and the experience don't match up? In fact, a lot of our life, uh, we'll, we'll find victories and there'll be wonderful things that'll happen, but a lot of what we go through that defines us is that gap between expectation and our experience. And we have a choice what we're going to put in that gap, don't we? Uh, we can put some hope in that gap. We can say, I hope to have a better experience next time. We can put some fear in that gap. I'm, I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. We can put all sorts of uh, things in that gap. It could be uh, disappointments. And, and there's really an outlook on life we can put in that gap, and that's what I want to, to look at primarily today, uh, is we can, put the, uh, we can put optimism 
hey, there, there's a way to work through this. Things are gonna get better. Uh, for me, it would be, uh, you know, start maybe with a, a, a shorter run and, and work your way up. Or a pessimism, hey, I'm never gonna make it. See, we all have this. In fact, did any of you see the, uh, the final season of American Idol? Any of you see that? Oh, not a lot of you. Evidently, that's why it was the final season. Huh? <laughs> but, but, but you remember uh, when Simon was on there, right? You know, a good, gentle, kind soul. No, I mean, Simon was known for dashing the dreams of people. And really, you know, for me, in fact, if I, when I was younger, had there been American Idol, I would have went on it because I really thought that I was gonna be a rock star. Uh, the only thing that got in the way of that was vocal and musical ability. Those were the only two barriers that I had. I, I shared this before. When I, when I was a little uh, kid, uh, I, was, I wrote songs, and I figured they were so good that no one else could sing them, and so I sung them into a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah, it was that bad. And uh, for those of you who don't know what a tape recorder is, it's like a, a CD, well, no, okay, uh, MP3, uh, it's like you download, it's sort of the mute, you'd sing into this thing, and uh, the worst part was my brother found that tape, and he was there with several of his friends one day listening to that tape. It's really not that bad. In fact, I'm going to play it for you today. The, no, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't want to. But, you know, there, there's, there's all sorts of funny things in life uh, like that and things that really we don't care about too much. Maybe it's a car we didn't get. And, and let's face it, you know, a car is a car is a car. But maybe it was something else. Maybe it was a, a, a career path uh, that we were hoping for and our life has taken a different route. What are we going to do with that? How is that going to define our future? Now, uh, as we begin this series, we're looking primarily in the book of Romans in Fight Club. Uh, and Romans is, is an interesting uh, book of the Bible. It's known as the theology book of the Bible. But there's quite a bit of uh, practical teaching in that as well. And in fact, as you look at the Bible, there's the older part of the Bible before Jesus came, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, which is pretty much about the life of Jesus and the life of the Christian community that came afterwards. So you have these four accounts of Jesus' life, and it's followed by uh, the book of Acts written by Luke. He was a doctor, and it's a historical account, a spiritual history of the early church. And then the Apostle Paul, God uses him to write the book of Romans to let us know what does this mean? What does this mean for us? And what does it mean for really human history? Well, I think this is so important uh, that for us to understand, and we're going to look at a chapter in the book of Romans, but before we get there, I want to look at a verse in Proverbs that sets up really the reality we're looking at. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. It says, whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. The, the idea behind that is we get what we're looking for. Uh, someone uh, once said, uh, Craig Rochelle actually in his book, uh, Toxic, he, he said it's sort of like birds. A, a hummingbird 
tends to always find flowers, and a vulture tends to find dead things. We, we find what we're looking for. And that's why as we look at fighting the battle really against a pessimistic outlook, why that is so important. So why is pessimism so destructive? Well, first thing, it distorts our reality. Uh, It really does. When you're pessimistic, you can't see anything clearly. Bad things in life uh, get exaggerated. This is uh, especially true of those of us who are maybe uh, more uh, driven uh, we, we come to a point where something doesn't work out, and it, it can be a stopping point, not just in that reality. We can start to think fatalistically about our lives. How many times have we been in the middle of something, uh, a bad marriage situation, a financial crisis, a long, drawn-out family situation, and our, and our perspective gets skewed a little bit? Well, also, the, the danger in pessimism is it's contagion, contagious. Uh, Andy Stanley, a uh, great author and pastor, I've, I've quoted him before, he, he says this statement, which I really love, is, show me your five closest friends, and I will show you your future. Are we around people who are really feeding into the worst parts about us, or people who are leading us towards the future that God would have for us? And then it makes me vulnerable to temptation. Uh, When you're discouraged or pessimistic, emotional barriers break down, uh, and we're most likely to give into temptation. It's four words, really. I might as well. I I, I might as well uh, take another drink. I might as well uh, take that thing, maybe steal that. I might as well have that inappropriate conversation. I might as well look at that website. And and when when we have this outlook, uh, we we just tend to give in and not move towards the very things that God would have us move towards. We fall into a trap. And see, here's the problem. It's easy for us to move towards pessimism. Any of you been watching the election lately? Yeah, I mean, I really, I don't care who your candidate is. If it's Bernie or Hillary or Donald, there's just a rampant pessimism that's driving everything. In fact, that's a message that is being sold. Now, you may uh, buy into that from the political situation or not, but, but it tends to, to feed on the worst parts of us. And it can move from, you know, whoever wins the next election to how we view life. In fact, I'll I'll tell you what, one of the greatest battles uh, I fight in my life uh, is pessimism, is that sort of negativity. Uh, It can be, you know, I pour my heart out, I'm preparing a, a sermon, and I'm like, I really feel like this is God's you know, message for people to hear, and there's someone out there on their phone, and they're playing Angry Birds or something like that. I know you say you're taking notes, but I know what you're really doing. Uh, and, and now I'm just having a little fun with that. But there are times when I've prayed with people, and I've seen God do miraculous things. He'll physically, physically heal, uh, heal marriages. Uh, people come to know Jesus, and there's times I've prayed with people, and uh, the answer to the prayer is no or not yet. 
and the marriage doesn't make it, and the person uh, doesn't make it through the illness. And, and there can be this gravitational pull towards pessimism. Now, it's dangerous for us to go there. And what happens is we forget the work of God in our lives. See, in, in Romans, uh, one of the things we're going to learn in this book of the Bible is really uh, what God is doing in our reality right now, but what God is doing on a cosmological scale, what he's doing throughout a hit human history. And when we get that perspective, we can flip the script and we can understand that, that a Christian pessimist, you, you can't even be a follower of Christ and really be pessimistic when you understand God's work and God's plan. See, see that's why when we move to a faith that's centered around uh, our own wants, maybe even our own happiness, well, we can get disappointed and depressed. But when we focus on Jesus and who he is and what he's done, there's a pervasive optimism that can really change our lives. In the first seven chapters of the book of Romans, uh, you see uh, the Apostle Paul, he lays out really sort of the problem. He talks about how God has created everything good and, and people go away from God, and, and, and whether it's spiritually or morally. And, and he describes the situation and the problem and, and, and God's relentless pursuit of us. And you look at it, and it really can get a little depressing at times. And then in Romans 8, there's, there's a change. And the change in Romans 8 is how God has taken that mess and redeemed it. And I think the great news of that is that God can take our mess and redeem that as well. Well, why can I be optimistic uh, as I look at Romans 8? Number one is because I can be forgiven. Now, now, I say I can be forgiven because I can accept or reject that forgiveness. We read this in Romans uh, 7, 14 through 15. This is when Paul sort of laying out the problem in his own life. He says this, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what uh, I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. He's saying, you know, not only is there a problem with all those other people, there's a problem with me. And he considers that, and he gets to this place where he's depressed, but then he turns the focus from himself to Jesus again. And he remembers Romans 8.1. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the most basic premise of Christianity, but unless we get this right, nothing else will make sense. It's, it's a top-button truth. It's sort of like uh, if I get my shirt and I, I put the, the top button, if it's uh, wrong, the whole shirt's going to look weird and wonky. If you don't understand forgiveness, Christianity doesn't make sense. If you don't understand the necessity for a Savior to redeem us, then it'll never make any sense. And for Paul, he understood not only what it meant for humanity, but what it meant for him. And that really is the deep end of the pool theologically. And then he, uh, we also learn, number two, is that my pain is not permanent. And I can be optimistic uh, because of that. 
Now, as we look at painful situations in our life, whether it's uh, physical pain, uh, in fact, sometimes we, we think about uh, Jesus and we're like, okay, how can he understand what I'm going through? It says in the book of Hebrews that we have a high priest, Jesus, who understands at every point of temptation and pain. You think about when Jesus went to the, to the cross when he died, he died at that point in human history when capital punishment was at its worst, the most painful. It's never been worse uh, before or since. They, they used the cross as the standard. Today it would be lethal injection or something like that. And, and I think it was, so he, so he would understand the depth of physical pain. I know there are some of you who are going through incredible physical pain. And, and Jesus, he can understand that. He can even redeem that. There's, a, there's emotional pain. Some of you are saying, oh, he doesn't know. You know, here I'm in church, and, and there's people, and all these people are married, and how does Jesus know my problems? He doesn't know what it's like to be single. Yeah, he does. Jesus was single. And it says, by the way, he was tempted in every way. You're like, what? <laughs> he was tempted that way? Yeah, that way. Yet he didn't sin. And so, uh, by the way, I don't know if he said the what in that voice, but he, <laughs> that was not in the note. So, uh, so he knows that pain. Well, you're like, okay. And I've, I've heard people say this before. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. But Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be married. <laughs> he does. We're called, the church is called the bride of Christ. And in that, just think of your own life. I can think of my own life, areas where I've been unfaithful. And you say, what is it, what is, does he understand what it means to live with someone who's been unfaithful to them? He does. He understands every point of pain. And, and when we look at our pain, we have to understand this is a point in our history. It is not our ultimate reality. The Apostle Paul understood this uh, where he said in Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then a, a third reality, why I can be optimistic, is that God isn't out to get me. See, as I talk to people, who, especially those who are, who are not following God, there's usually a couple reasons. One is, hey, I'm not sure if there really is a God. I don't believe in him. And uh, that's, that's a group. It's not the biggest group. The biggest group I talk to are people who say, you know what? Man, I, I just think God is sort of out to get me. Look at what the scripture says. It says in Romans uh, 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, that he's not against us. In fact, it says this, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us, that he's, he's praying for us on our behalf to the Father. It says in Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then a verse that, if you've been around church, you may have heard before, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Now, notice, it doesn't say that all things are good. In fact, there's the, the reality that's acknowledged that some things are really, really bad, but that God will take those bad things and he will redeem him. And maybe for you, it's, well, there's something bad about me. I, t- I talked to someone not too long ago who wanted to meet with me because they didn't know if it would be okay if they attended the church. I said, hey, I, the person said, hey, I've done some bad things. And we had to talk through it. I said, well, if the focus was you and your bad things, then maybe it would be a different conversation. But the focus is Jesus and him redeeming those things that could lead you towards despair, towards a pessimism. So you also have hope because faith isn't that fragile. Uh, it really isn't. Now, this is really important for me uh, uh, as, as I consider the scriptures in this because I'll talk to people. I'll talk to uh, Christians who will say, oh, you know, Christianity, it's just one generation away from fading away. I've heard people say that usually when they're trying to raise money from you is when they say that. That's just not true. Because God, God is our sustainer. There may be points in history where groups of people move towards God or away from God. There may may be, uh, like in our country, where nominalism, Christian nominalism, those who sort of say they're Christians but not following Jesus, that's sort of going away almost completely in our country. But the people who say they follow Jesus, same, same number of people as there were uh, 20 years ago, the ones who say, I'm all in for Jesus. In fact, if you look around the world, we support so many mission organizations and opportunities around the world. It is amazing how many people are turning to Jesus. And even in countries, by the way, in, in a lot of, uh, well, it, a lot of the world and parts of the world, Uh, where people are threatened with their lives being taken if they turn away from another faith to follow Jesus. See, God is on the move. There's a point in history and uh, where people were moving away from God uh, early on. We we see this in the book of Exodus as, as God delivered the nation of Israel from the promised land, and they just sort of turned away and forgot about God. And it's about these kind of situations that the Apostle Paul writes this, and he writes this about this whole, uh, whole situation of people moving away in Romans 1. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave him thanks, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. In Romans 1, where he's setting up the problem, it's interesting, he's describing a group of people who sort of acknowledged God, but didn't find any hope in God, because they didn't allow God to direct their life. I see this today. Wherever people start to move away from historical Orthodox Christian faith, 
where they say, yeah, you know, I believe in God, but when it, came, when it comes to the Scripture, I'm not so sure about that. When it comes to, uh, you know, that forgiveness thing, yeah, you don't know my boss. I'm not sure about that. When it comes to sexuality, ah, I'm not sure if God really knows what he's talking about. Do you know that? I can, can I tell you something very practically? Because some of you, this is where you're at. When you go there, I can tell you your ultimate destination. It will be pessimism and a little bit of despair because you're no longer depending on the God who created you, but the God that you created. See, Apostle Paul, when he looked at his life, he had actually been part of the murder of someone. I mean, think about that. None of us, well, at least hopefully, not many of us have killed someone. <laughs> and he had done some pretty bad things in his life. But he was so profoundly impacted by the grace of Jesus Christ, he said this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor uh, the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying faith isn't that fragile. And maybe you're here and you say, yeah, but you know, I haven't had a very good week. You're, if you've said yes to Jesus, your salvation was not dependent upon you having a good week. Your salvation is dependent upon what Jesus did on the cross for you. And, and you might say, well, okay, well, does that just mean I do whatever I want? You can, but that may not work out very well for you. And honestly, if we don't have a heart to follow God, it says a lot about our heart. So what are our action steps? How can we move beyond this pessimism? I just want to leave you with three quick things. One is recalibrate your thoughts. It says whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is lovely. We're to think about these things. What are you feeding in your mind? One of the things I would encourage you to do is to maybe spend a little time reading the Bible every day. You can get uh, the, the Bible app for free. It's free. I don't even, we used to give away Bibles. In fact, it used to bother me a little bit because I gave away some, you say, why does it bother you to give away Bibles? Well, I pastored a little church, uh, like a very small church, didn't have a, much of a budget, and I would buy Bibles for people who I knew could afford them, but they would never pay for them. Now I don't have to give you any of these cheapskates a Bible. I can just say, you can download this Bible for free. And there's Bible reading plans. You say, well, why is it? The, the, the Word of God focuses our thoughts. In fact, I, I would encourage you to start in the Gospel of Luke or the Gospel of John if you're just reading through the Bible. It's about the life of Jesus. It'll challenge you and it'll encourage you. The book of Proverbs is great. You, any of you ever make dumb decisions? Read the book of Proverbs. Literally, it'll help you for making some of those decisions. That's why I spend a little bit of time every morning, uh, and I spend time reading the Bible. Uh, that's why I'm in a growth group with other people, uh, and we, we study the Bible together. You're doing that as you're in church, as we, as we focus our thoughts on God. And then also recalibrate your friends. 
summer is one of those seasons where we can spend time with great friends. It's a great uh, opportunity. And maybe it's people who you haven't stayed in touch with. Maybe it's a mentor who's been there in your life. But maybe this is one of those seasons where uh, it's time to, to open up some new relationships. In fact, during the summer season when people can be traveling, you might, uh, as you sort of disconnect, you might not reconnect in the fall with certain groups of people who have been leading you in a certain direction. I'm not saying stay away from anyone who does anything bad. I'm just saying have some people in your life who will help you to look at life through the lens of a God who loves you, a God who's not out to get you, a God who forgives you, a God who's greater than your pain, and a God who will never give up on you. Really, that leads to number three is to choose hope, to choose hope. This week, uh, uh, I was talking with uh, actually someone who's here today, a friend of mine, came by, stopped by the, uh, the office, and uh, uh, he, he's a bargain hunter, and he found uh, some bargains. And, you know, he found some, I think it was basketballs before, gave them to the kids' ministry, and, and, and just loves to do that kind of thing. And uh, what he came across this time, we couldn't use, but I sat down and uh, said, hey, tell me about your life. And so he told me about his life. Uh, he's uh, 83 years old. And the funny thing I, I thought is the first thing he said is, uh, well, we were sort of hillbillies. We were raised in the Ozarks. And uh, I said, well, tell me about your wife. His wife has passed away. And uh, he described how when he was 12 and she was 12, she was talking about friends who were dating and said, you know what? We should date too. And so she had her eyes on him, and uh, her parents said they couldn't date till they were 13, and uh, so they started dating at 13, and then uh, in the state they were in down south, uh, you could get married at 16, and so they got married 16 years old. Can you imagine that? It barely made it a little over 62 years. And uh, I, I was asking, so, so tell me. He said, you know, I'm one of the most optimistic people that you'll meet. He says, I may not know everything, but I can point him to the person who can be the answer. I can point him to Jesus. So I said, well, I said, well my mom's 83 years old. I should have you talk to her. First question, is she cute? <laughs> <laughs> He's still got game. He does. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter what the loss you've gone through. It doesn't... It, see, it's the story you tell yourself about the current situation you're in. So what are you telling yourself right now about your life? Is there a great future because Jesus is right there in the middle of it? He is, if you'll let him. You know, if you, if you read the Bible, by the way, one good reason to read the Bible, if you get to the end of the book, we win. Good news, you know. <laughs> there's a, there's, it's hard to be pessimistic. Still, there's a decision where you say, God, I want to be on your winning team. 
Got it. See, that doesn't happen by accident. That happens by choice. 